You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Hewitt. I'm an evangelist out of Bible Baptist Church in Rossville, Georgia. Brother Ricky Gravely is my pastor. Brother Spencer said that you, you folks know Brother Terry Ellis. Brother Terry Ellis is, uh, works out of the same church that I do, so we are, uh, we're good friends. He's a dear friend of mine. We've preached meetings together and things of that nature. But uh, pray for us and my family. My family would be with us, but my little boy, he has uh, several health problems. He's uh, got spina bifida, a Chiari 2 malformation, and he's got hydrocephalus and uh, he's, he's had a lot of shunt issues, but now it seems like his shunt's getting better. We got some bad news the last of November, and uh, my, we found a doctor that's helping my son. And so my son's basically seeing a, 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 he's called a functional neurologist every single day. His name's Ezra, and I ask you to pray for Ezra. There's a lot of changes going on in our family and our life, but uh, I, I'm an evangelist, and I don't just preach meetings here in the States. I travel all over, as Brother David's talked about. Lord willing, in 2020, Brother James and I will be getting to do some traveling to Africa together. I've been, God's opened up doors for me in Africa. We've spent much time in Papua New Guinea and been in eight different countries this last year, and I love it. Amen. And I love getting to do the work of God. And Lord willing, in August, the last of July, 1st of August, we'll be doing a tent meeting with the Falls International Baptist Church. Uh, and, and we'll be knocking on doors. But They'll be knocking on doors before we can get here. But trying to get the people out into the tent and preach the gospel to them. Amen. Let's turn our Bibles to Galatians chapter 1 uh, tonight. And brother, that's a pretty big spider. That's a pretty big spider. Amen. I'm glad you didn't take your gun out and shoot it. Amen. That's... That's a blessing, amen. My wife, she would have walked up and we would have, <laughs> she would have, she would have tried to burn the pulpit down, amen. Uh, amen. I, uh, if you uh, if you would just pray for our family and pray as we serve the Lord and pray in these days. We we have a Upper Midwest Winter Fellowship. This was our fourth fourth annual Upper Midwest Winter Fellowship where pastors from all over the plains come and and they uh, fellowship, get help. We preach to them. They preach to each other. That just ended in Watertown on Friday night. And uh, then we're here today, and then Lord willing, we'll be traveling to Pukwana, the great metropolis of Pukwana, South Dakota, and um, population 250. Amen? And we'll be preaching at the Victory Baptist Church Monday through Friday of this week. And we love the Upper Midwest. My brother, as Brother Spencer's already mentioned, my brother is a church planner up here and actually has just taken a church in Dickinson, North Dakota. So you be praying for my brother Caleb so that some of you know. Let's stand for the reading and reverence of God's holy word. And I'm thankful for this place. Brother James has told me a little bit about the history of this church. And I'm thankful for what you've stood for and what you're standing for now. And I pray that in the days to come as you make this transition that God would give you the grace and empowerment to continue to stand. Amen. In a day where everybody is changing, let's just stand. Amen. And uh, don't apologize for what we are. Amen. Let's just stand. Amen. Gen- Galatians chapter 1 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Paul, an apostle... Not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me under the churches of Galatia, grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. And all the church said... Amen. I marvel 
that you are so soon removed from Him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Now, I love verse 8. I call it the Mormon killer. Amen? They can't handle this verse. But I love the fact that Paul not only puts this accountability on other preachers, he puts this accountability on angels, but he puts this accountability on himself. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, then that ye have received, let him be accursed. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your mercy and your holiness and your love and kindness. Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for this pastor. I thank you for Brother James Rutman and our friendship. I thank you for what you're doing down in the West Indies. I thank you for what you're doing at the Falls International Baptist Church. I pray tonight, dear God, you forgive me where I failed you. You fill me with the Spirit of God that you would use us tonight. Enable us to preach the word, wonderful Word of God. And I pray, dear God, there's no power in me. Lord, I pray that the Spirit of God would take the Word of God and He would work in hearts tonight. That you would challenge, dear Lord, if there's anybody here lost, that you would draw them to salvation tonight. I pray that you touch us as Christians, that we would glean from this message. And we'll be quick to give you all the honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you might be seated tonight. I want to give you a few things by way of introduction this evening, and then we'll get right into the message that God has laid on our heart for this evening. The first thing I see is in verse number one, we see the greeting of Paul, and Paul is very generic a lot of times. He, he changes little things, but if you read the Pauline apostles many times, it is this same type of greeting, but the word Paul means small, amen? And that is a testimony of what God can do in a man's life. Before Paul got saved, of course, he was Saul, and his name Saul meant to be desired of. He was one that the world desired. He was somebody that the world loved and that the world looked up to. But when Paul or Saul got saved and became Paul, that word Paul means small. And that's what God does in our lives. In order to use us, he'll take us from something that the world desires to something small. And when he gets it in his hands, when, he, when little is much, when God is in us. God cannot use big things. God uses little things. You remember in John 6, that little lad brought the little lunch. Amen. Five loaves and two fishes. And the old man was saying, was, what are these among so many? And in common English, that means that they were saying, this isn't enough, Lord. This isn't enough. But what man thinks is not enough, God thinks is too big. The first thing Jesus did with that loaves and two fishes is he broke it in half. And that's exactly what God does in our lives. He takes us from something we think we're somebody, something desired, and he'll make us smile so he can use us and that's exactly what he did in the life of the apostle Paul but we see uh, the man Paul but then we see his position it says he's an apostle and that just simply means he saw Jesus uh, here on this earth he had the apostolic gifts and those were just that apostolic gifts amen the reason we don't speak in tongues the reason we don't heal the reason we don't do those things if you go to the book of Acts and look at the title it's not the book it's not the acts of Christians 
Christians, it's the acts of the apostles. Amen. And that'll clear it all up for you. But the apostle Paul, he was defending uh, many times having to defend his apostleship. And he was reaffirming that here that he was an apostle. But then he chose the, the not only is Paul, his position, but he shows the proof of that. Neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father. He was called of God to be an apostle. And he goes on and he talks about the power of his position. It says, who raised him up from the dead. And the reason he was an apostle, the reason he was saved, is because Jesus Christ got up out of the grave. I'm glad tonight the reason we are saved, the reason we are believers, the reason or the thing that sets us apart from every other religion in this world is that our God is not dead. Our God is not in a tomb somewhere. Hey, but our Lord Jesus Christ, he got up from the grave, amen, and he is, he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, making intercession for you and for me. And if God can raise Christ Jesus up, one day he will raise us up and we have, we have confidence in our belief because of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm trying to hurry. If you can listen fast, I'll preach fast. Amen. Sound like an auctioneer up here, don't I? Amen. Would he be able to be able to be? Amen. So we see the greeting. But number two, in verse number two, by way of introduction, we see Galatia. We see specifically that Paul is writing this letter to this, this, these churches at Galatia. And the reason of that is, is it was a very important church. If you go into the Bible maps and you look at the churches of Asia Minor, you'll find out that Galatia geographically was the, at the center of all those other churches. If you will, allow me to use this modern term, but it was a hub for the gospel. It was a hub in those churches. They were communicating with all the churches in that region. It was a very influential church, Brother David. Uh, much like a, 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 their, Brother Sammy down south, there, there was a lot of influence his church has had in that region. And there, there's examples of that in other places. But, but tonight, the reason Paul was writing specifically to the church of Galatia is there was, an her there was a heresy coming in. And, and Paul wanted to cut it off. He wanted to get the root and keep it from spreading out to those other churches. So he wrote specifically to the church of Galatia about that heresy. And I'll speak more about that in a minute. I'm getting there. But I see the greeting. I see Galatia. But in verse number 3, we see the grace of God. It says, Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And just for a few minutes tonight, I want to preach on the gift of grace. The gift of of grace tonight. And I want to just walk through these verses. I'm going somewhere. I'm going to hit these first few very quickly and, and give you the context. I'm wanting to lay a good foundation, but I am going somewhere, so please stay with me. In verse number four, it, the Bible says, who gave himself for our sins. The first thing I see is the cost of this gift of grace. Amen. The cost of grace. You've all heard the acronym. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. And that is very true. Amen. I'm glad for saving grace. Matthew chapter 1 said that Jesus came to save his people from their sin. Amen. But I'm glad John chapter 1 says that he came unto his own and his own received him not. But he didn't stop there, Brother James. His own received him not. But his, he came unto his own, his own received him not. But as many as received him, to him gave he power to become the sons of God to everyone that believeth on his name. I'm glad tonight that salvation, though it is of the Jew, it didn't just 
just come to the Jew. I'm glad it came to the Gentile. Every time Paul said in the book of Acts, we go to the Gentiles, I underline it. In every Bible I own, because I want to be reminded that it is by the grace of God that we've been grafted in. I'm not going to boast against the branches. Amen. I don't want to boast against it. I'm glad that the, the oracles of God came through the Jew. That our Savior came through the Jew. That salvation came through the Jew. But I'm glad when they turned their back on the Savior, when they crucified the Lord Jesus, hey, though He came for their sins, I'm glad He didn't stop there, but He came to us old Gentile dogs tonight. Amen. Now, I know I look Jewish, amen, but I'm not. Amen. I get asked that all the time, Brother Ruttman. Amen. I don't know why. Amen. But I'm glad that He came to us. I'm glad the Bible says who gave Himself for our sins. And the Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, and He came, in, he came for and is the propitiation of our sins, and not ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. I'm glad the Bible said that He tasted death for every man. I'm glad for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you're here tonight, I don't care if you've got a church background or a bar background, or if you've got a murderer's background, or a Sunday school kid's background. I'm glad that Jesus came to save you from your sin. He came to save me from my sin. And red and yellow, black and white, they're all precious in His sight. I'm glad He came to save the whoremonger and He came to save the preacher's kid. Amen. Hey, tonight, Jesus Christ, the death of Jesus Christ is enough. The death, burial, and resurrection is enough. Hey, to save the world tonight. Amen. You just got to put your faith and trust in it. We were having a discussion last night. Every religious person, as far as Catholic or Protestant or, or Seventh-day or, or Pentecostal, every religious person I've met in my travels, Brother Spencer, says they believe the gospel. They do. They have a knowledge of the gospel. Brother Ruttman, they know that Jesus died. They know he was buried. And they know he was risen again. Is that the gospel? But they're not trusting the gospel. You know how I know that? Because a Catholic, I move around, y'all pray for me, amen. It's like a tennis match if I really get into it, amen. You'll be back and forth like a basketball game. Brother David, I, I've, I've witnessed the young Catholic girls that told me that they told me the gospel just like I told you. But they're dependent on the mass, and they're dependent on confession, and they're depending on their penance. They're depending on all these things. I've talked to Seventh-day Adventist people, and they say, yes, we believe the gospel, but they're not depending on the gospel. They've not put their faith in the gospel. They're putting their faith in baptism. They're putting their faith hey, in, in keeping the Sabbath, and, and they're putting their faith in all these things. But I'm glad tonight I don't have to depend on anything else. I'm glad tonight that the, the, the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Jesus Christ at Calvary, the resurrection of Christ. I'm glad it satisfied God. And if it satisfied God, it ought to satisfy us. I'm glad He is enough to forgive our sins. Amen. I got to move on. I see the cost of the gift of grace. And let me remind you, though, there is a term going around in our day called free grace, free grace, free grace. And though grace is free to us, I'm, I promise you it costs God everything. Amen. I see the cost of the gift of grace. But number two, and we'll look at verse four again. Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world. I see the cause for this gift of grace. 
There is a movement going around today and they try to misuse the book of Galatians and I'll say more about it right now, here in a little bit. But they are trying to say that because of grace you can live however you want to. And let me report tonight, young people, young families, please listen to me. God did not save us so we could live how we used to. In many cases, God did not save us so we can go out and live worse than we did before we got saved. The grace of God is not so we can live how we want to. The grace of God is so we can live how He wants us to. Amen. I need about 40 amens right there. Hey, tonight, the grace of God is not so we can go out and drink and it's all covered by the blood. No, the grace of God is so that we can be, we can have the power and the victory over that drink. We can have the power and the victory over cussing. We can have the power and the victory over lasciviousness and fornication and wickedness. I'm glad the Bible says in Titus chapter 2 verse 11, For the grace of God which bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us to denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Grace isn't just to save us from our past sins and future sins. I'm glad that the grace of God is big enough and powerful enough to deliver us from sin right now. I don't know how I don't have to live bound to sin. I don't have to live, Brother Ruckman, bound in the chains that I was once bound in. I'm telling you tonight, God did not save us so we can go out here and live worse than we used to. God saved us so we can be new creatures, so we can be the manifestation of of the light of God in this world. Amen. I believe this with all my heart. The reason we're not seeing as many saved in our day in America is because nobody cares about the gospel coming from your lips until they see the gospel coming from your life. Amen. Tonight, the grace of God is so we can have victory over this present world. Are you going to be sinless? Absolutely not. But the grace of God will help you sin less. Amen. Brother Schultz, I found this out. That the more I walk in the grace of God, the, more, the less I want to sin. There's two types of people. There's, a, there's people that, and you've heard this. They say, well, everybody, I know this. I know so-and-so does this, and I know so-and-so does this. And, and I'm under grace, so I can do this. They try to justify their sin. That is the wrong, that's a misuse of the grace of God. Amen. This is what the grace of God really looks like. How many of y'all are sinners? Hey, we're, we're in agreement. 100% vote right there. Amen. All in favor, say aye. Amen. Anyway, I'm just kidding. We're all sinners. But there's a, we either make up our mind that we're going to continue in sin and, and we just write it off that we can do it because of grace and because of what everybody else does, or we become contrite about our sin. And by the grace of God, we, just make, we have to make a conscious decision that we are either going to continue in sin or we're going to make a conscious decision that, man, I am a sinner. And I had a thought run through my head today that I didn't like, or I saw this, and, and it was sin, and, and I, I listened to this, or I did this, or I had the wrong attitude here. Is anybody else like that? Things that run through our mind that we never even wanted there. I mean, we're human, we're flesh, and it's boom, it's there. The things we see, the, the, the things we experience, and before we know it, it's, it, there's lust in our hearts, and there's envy and strife and bitterness, and, but we either make the decision to continue in that, and try to excuse it away with grace, which is not grace. 
or we have to make the conscious decision that when we do mess up, that God is there to forgive us, to give us victory over that sin, to give us to carry us past that sin. Are y'all with me tonight? Hey, we don't have to we don't have to live and be slaves to sin. Hey, the glory and grace of God delivered us from that at Calvary from our past sin. But I'm glad tonight, and I've spent too much time on it. But I'm glad that He is delivering us from our present sin right now. Amen. Amen. So I see the cost of the gift of grace, the cause for the gift of grace. I see the conception of it. It says, according to the will of God and our Father. Do you know that God loved us so much before this mud ball was ever created that in His mind, He made the decision. Brother James, before the fall ever took place, He made the decision to send His Son for us. Friend of mine, He created a being that's not a robot, the human race. He created us. We're not robots. Knowing we were going to fall, yet He loved us so much. Jesus Christ is the Lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. That in the mind of God, He saw you and He saw me. And He sent His Son so that we could be saved. And my friend, that is the grace of God. God can see that the conception of the grace of God. Verse number 5, the Bible says, To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I see the celebration of this gift of grace. And you say, what are we going to do for all of heaven, all of eternity? We're going to celebrate the grace of God bestowed unto men. But I want to give you this tonight. In verses 6 through 9, Paul gives the context that he had, uh, of this book. I want to give the interpretation of the book, and then I want to deal with that, what Paul was dealing with, because I believe it's applicable because of a lot of the heresy that's being taught in our day. But then, Brother Rutman, I also want to go further, and there, is, there are groups out there that are taking, even in our ranks, that are taking the book of Galatians, and they're skewing it, and they're misapplying it to where you can live however you want to. And I want to deal with those tonight. The first, so I see the concern over this gift of grace. The first thing I see is Paul was dealing with legalism. How many of y'all have ever heard the word legalism? Now, of course, in our day, a legalist is anybody that has one more standard than you do. I, I thought I was in a Baptist church. I hear laughing now. So more than likely, you had been called a legalist or you had by, and identified. I don't know that you're a good Christian in our day if you hadn't been identified as a legalist. <laughs> but legalism, that's what Paul dealt with. There had been people from the church at Jerusalem, or really not even in the church, but people from Jerusalem that were coming up trying to cause dissension. And they were preaching the heresy that these Gentile believers had to be under the law in order to be saved. They had to be circumcised to be saved. And that was what Paul was fighting here. Legalism is this. The word legal, and y'all know this, it's the root word, it means law. Amen? I don't have much education. Amen? So this is very basic. But Brother Upman, that word legal means law. The word ism is the practice of. So legalism is the practice of law for salvation. Amen? This is not legalism. Let me give you an example. This is not legalism. A woman should adorn herself in modest apparel. That is not legalism. If I cross the line and say, if a woman doesn't wear this, then she's going to go to hell. That 
is legalism. Amen. But the, the crazy thing is, is there are people out there that are trying their hardest to keep the law when the Jews couldn't even keep the law. There is a group out there that says that they have to keep the Sabbath, the Seventh-day Adventists. They say they have to keep the Sabbath in order, they have to go to church on the Sabbath. They, they can't eat pork. Let me time out right here. Avoid any denomination that tells you you can't have bacon. Amen. Amen. Right there. Mark her down. If you can't have bacon, it's not of the Bible. Amen. My favorite verse, Acts 10, 13, arise, kill, and eat. Somebody say amen right there. Amen. amen. Woo. Amen. In all seriousness, though, they believe you can't eat meat. They, they, and Paul even warns to avoid those that, that tell you to abstain from eating meats. In the New Testament, a Jew tells us that. Brother David, they, 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 they try to do all of this and put the works on people and put the law on people. But I love to ask them where they keep their sacrifices. See, if you're going to keep the law, according to Galatians 3.10, if you're going to be a part, if you're going to keep that law, you better keep all the law or you're cursed. Right. I'm up the middle aisle now, amen? Brother James, if I'm going to keep the law, I've got to have somewhere to keep my sacrifices. I've got to have a priest. I've got to have a temple or a tabernacle. And the last time I checked, the Dome of the Rock is on the Temple Mount right now. There is no temple in Jerusalem. The priesthood is not making sacrifices. Neighbor, even if you wanted to keep the law tonight, you couldn't because there's no temple. Is everybody with me? Now watch this, Galatians 3.10, I believe it's one of the key verses of the whole book. Would you look at it with me? Galatians 3.10 and 11. Verse 10, for as many, I just quoted a little bit of it, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, curses everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. It would be miserable. Let me help you. The Jew, let me get this next verse, and then I'll give you what I want to say. But that no man, no man, Brother James, no man under the old covenant, no man under the new covenant. No man pre-law, no man after the law. No man during the law, no man during the tribulation. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. For it is evident the just shall live by faith. Brother Spencer, the Jews were never even saved by the law. Abraham believed God in, in Genesis 14. That's when Abraham got saved. The Bible tells us that Abraham believed God and he counted it unto him as righteousness. Abraham got saved in Genesis 14. It wasn't till Genesis 18 that he got circumcised. It wasn't the circumcision that saved him. It was faith that saved him. Amen, amen. The law was not to save God's people. The law was to save sanctify God's people, to set them apart, to make them a holy people, a royal priesthood. Amen. A peculiar people. And tonight, that's what God's doing in our life. He, don't, he didn't just give us grace to save us. He gave us grace to sanctify us and to separate us from this present world. Oh, friend, there has never been a person that kept the law to be saved. No, no, no. Rahab, she believed God under the law, and it was counted unto her as righteousness. She didn't 
didn't keep the law. She was a Gentile dog that believed God and God saved her. Amen. I'm glad that nobody has ever been saved by the law, but it's always been by believing what God said. Amen. Genesis 3.15, God gave us the prophecy of the seed that would come of the woman. And Adam and Eve believed that. That was faith. And guess who else believed it? Abel. And on and on and on. Progressive revelation. Whenever God said something, if man would believe what God said, they could be saved. The argument today is, well, did they, they didn't know to believe the gospel in the Old Testament. They didn't have to. They had to believe what God said. Amen. Had to believe, Brother Rutman, in that seed. Let me give you something to ponder on. If, if salvation has ever been by works, there would be no need of Hebrews 11. What is the nickname of Hebrews 11? Somebody help me. The howl of what? Faith. Is that right? That's what we always called it. Brother Spencer... If, if salvation in the Old Testament was by works, there would be no Hebrews 11. By faith, Abel. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Sarah. By faith, Isaac. By faith, Jacob. By faith, Joseph. By faith, Moses' parents. I love that part of that verse. I, love, I ain't going to skip it. By faith, Moses. By faith, the children of Israel. By faith, Joshua and Samuel and Samson and Barak and David and Rahab the harlot. By faith, by faith. If it was by works, there would be no Hebrews 11. It would be the works hall, the hall of works. But it's the hall of faith. And no man. And you say, why are you preaching this? Number one, we need to know this. No, God has never saved anybody by works. It's always been by faith. But if they can get us to believe in today that it was salvation by works back then, it's salvation by works in the future, they can convince us that it'll eventually, they'll eventually try to convince us that it's works right now. Oh, but can I say it's always been the grace of God. It's always been believing what God has said. I'm glad I'm not working my way because if I was working my way, I could lose my way. I'm glad that he did the work and I'm satisfied in what he did and I'm trusting in what he did and that's what saves me amen tonight it's never been by works it's never been by the law it's always been by grace through faith hallelujah y'all still with me I want to deal with the misapplication very quickly, and I'm almost done. In our day, there's many, many people that will tell you, because of what was written in the book of Galatians, that you can live however you want to. Young people, young families, I, I especially want you to listen to me. I'm not being irreverent. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not 75, 80 years old. I'm a young man. I'm 30 years old, Brother Rutman. I'm raising children. I'm seeing what culture is pulling at us. And I see how easy and how alluring that pressure just to write everything off and call it grace and do whatever you want to, whatever your flesh wants to. I see how easy that route is. But it is wrong. The misapplication of this book has been turned into lasciviousness. 
I know a man that once read this, cha- this book. He read it every day for 60 days. He read it 60 times. He read it with his interpretation already in his head of what he wanted to say. See, he needed an out. He wanted, and that's what most people want. Nobody ever leaves our church. Very, let me say this. People very rarely ever leave these kind of churches and go to a tighter church. And Brother Spencer, how long have you been here? 39 years. Praise God. Brother Spencer, in those days, you probably had a lot of people that it wouldn't they left because you wouldn't hold it tight enough. Probably left because you, you, you wouldn't back up on some things. Can I beg you tonight? We need a generation in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. We need a generation of Christians that won't try to take this Bible and tell us how close we can live to the world. That's not what this Bible was written for. But we need a generation of young families and young couples and young children and young people and and all and gray-haired saints that'll rise up and say, "I don't care what the world does. I don't care what I see on social media. I don't. I don't care the direction everybody else is going. But I know what this Bible says." Hey, let me let me say this. If this book, if Galatians, I'm not talking about the whole Bible. If the book of Galatians taught us that we could live however we wanted to, Galatians 5 would not be in the book. Would you turn to Galatians 5 with me? Galatians 5.1. Stand fast. I still hear pages turning. I'm going to wait. Stand fast. Therefore, in the liberty. That, have, you ever, have you heard that in recent days? We've heard a lot about liberty in these, in, these, in these past few days, recent days. Wherewith Christ, Christ hath made us free. What has he made us free from? Brother James, help me. What has he made us free from? Sin. The bondage of sin. Is that right? Would you all agree with that? Liberty in Christ has made us free from the bondage of sin. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. There is this, the rest of this chapter deals with us li- living either by the flesh, walking in the flesh, or walking in the spirit. Brother James, Christ did not save us. Okay, I'm a church kid. I grew up in church. I, I, didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know I, honest to goodness, I did not know women cussed and, or old people cussed until I was 12. I just thought all old people were nice. I was wrong. Amen. <laughs> Found out. You go down to the biscuit place, and I don't know if y'all have biscuit places up here, but down south we have biscuit places. You go to the biscuit place, and there's plenty of mean old men there. Amen. And then I, got, I had to go to public school starting in sixth grade. I don't recommend it. I'd rather drink sewer water than to send my kids to public school, but that's another message. But Brother Ruppman, I got there, and, and all of a sudden I was exposed to this. and I, I mean, I was very sheltered. I was very naive. How, how wrong of me would it be to think that Christ saved me so I could go and do more than I was ever even exposed to before I got saved? 
Young people, God didn't put you in this atmosphere. God didn't give you a man of God for 39 years to pour his heart out to you. God didn't give, you, give your parents the backbone to put boundaries in your life. Young, young married couples, God didn't put you in this atmosphere. God didn't give you this, this, this propagation of the Word of God and the tears and the prayers. God didn't put us here so we can go out and live however we want to. He doesn't want us to go back and be entangled. He doesn't want us to go back under the yoke of sin. He didn't save me so I could go dress like the world. He didn't save me so I could go listen to the world's music. He didn't save me so I could go and by grace go and do everything that the world's doing. No, He saved me for the exact opposite. That I could be a light in this world and that the world would see that light and glorify my Father which is in heaven. Eight to nine, don't be entangled with it. You say, well, what's this liberty do? Are y'all still with me? I'm almost done. I mean, I'm closing. Paul said in Philippians 3, finally, my brethren, and he wrote a whole other chapter, so I'm closing my Bible. He was a Baptist preacher. I'm trying to get this out here. Anybody know what this is? Driver's license. It is. When I was 16 years old in one day, because you have to wait a day for some reason, a year and a day after you get your learners to get your license in Georgia. Brother Ruckman, I got this license. Within this license, it gave me liberty. This is my license of liberty. Anywhere in the 50 United States I can drive. In most foreign countries, I found out, because they want good diplomatic relationships with America, they recognize this as well. I can, I can drive in Beckway if I want to because of this license. But that day as a 16-year-old boy, and I pulled out of the driver's, the driver's school, and I, I turned left of the, out of the DMV. What would have happened, because that sign says 55 miles per hour. I, me- I remember very, very specifically because I was nervous. But Spencer, what would have happened if a Georgia State Patrol would have saw me going 85 miles an hour in that 55? He would have pulled me over and he would have took my liberty away. And can I say spiritually, I believe there's a lot of people that need to get pulled over. You know what comes with the license of liberty? The law of liberty. 1 Corinthians 8 teaches this principle. Um, All these liberty guys that want to do however they want to, they always go to Romans 14, and I don't believe it's a misapplication, but they take it way too far, that they will say, you can put anything in that, the meat, you know, the meats, and they think we're the weaker brothers because we won't eat meat. Y'all with me? Brother Schultz, but what they forget is the law of that liberty. 1 Corinthians 8 gives us the law of the liberty. That if what you're doing, I'm not talking about sin. You can't go and put drinking wine in this blank. All right, that is a laid out sin. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to go, but I, uh, there's, very, there's a lot of gray areas that we don't have a chapter and verse on, but it may offend your brother. Y'all with me? If I know that my eating of meat offends my brother James Ruckman, and, I, and it doesn't offend because we've ate meat together before. But I'm, I'm hypothetically speaking. If I go with my license of liberty 
and know that that offends you. 1 Corinthians 8 says that my eating of that meat not only offends, or not only am I sinning against my brother, but I'm sinning against Christ. What this liberty crowd has forgotten, Brother Spencer, they've forgotten that the law goes along with this license of liberty. Let me help you. Quit. I see people flaunt so much on Facebook. When we were younger, now you grew up in the, can I tell them, the 70s, amen? That's young. I was born in 88, amen? You was talking about reading something in college, and I leaned over to, last night in, in 91, I think, and I leaned over to Brother David, and I said, I couldn't even read in 1991. <laughs> But would y'all remember, those of you that are old enough, I, I can remember the moral boundary, not just in the church, but in the world 30 years ago. There's no moral boundary. The blinders have been taken off, and nobody blushes anymore. I want you to think about that. When was the last time you blushed? We don't blush anymore. You know why? Because everything is before us. I've been musing and meditating on that verse in 2 Peter 2 that we've talked about so much, but that righteous Lot vexed, or just Lot vexed his righteous soul from day to day, seeing their, he didn't partake in their works, he saw them. Have we not vexed our righteous souls? And because of that, we may have liberty that our brother doesn't have or our sister doesn't have, and we're flaunting that liberty and you know what the bible says we're number one making our brother to stumble we're making young christians that aren't as far down the road spiritually as we are and we're flaunting our liberty and we are causing them to fall we're causing them to stumble causing them maybe not even to continue in the work of god because maybe man i gotta hurry i'm trying to preach this i feel a burden to preach this give an example my family and I, we, we have liberty to watch a movie every once in a while. Brother James. Now, don't fall out with me. Y'all, y'all pray for me. But I'm using this example. There is, we, and I talked to you, I said this last night to you. We don't watch anything without a filter. And then even with a filter, there's some things we're not going to watch. Can I get an amen right there, right there, amen? I'm not talking about sinful stuff. I'm talk, we're not going to watch anything without a filter. Amen? But I don't go on Facebook or social media and talk about the movies I watch because, number one, I don't want to have to explain that I, I, I watch everything I watch with a filter. Then I'm going to look like a Pharisee every time I post about watching a movie on, on Facebook. So you know what I do? I keep my mouth shut about it. Because there may be a brother in Christ that just got saved and he's trying to get victory over cussing and watching stuff with, with the wrong thing in it. And he may see, oh, well, Brother Chris, he watches, look at that. He probably was, I know y'all would do this, but that young Christian may be looking for a way to justify his sin. And Brother Schultz, I could make a brother in Christ fall. And when I do that, when I become that stumbling block with my liberty, Brother, brother Ruttman, I end up not only making him, uh, being a stumbling block, making him fall, sinning against my brother, but according to 1 Corinthians 8, I have sinned against Christ. I wonder tonight, how are you, how are you in your license of liberty tonight? 
Are there things we need to check up on tonight? Maybe there's things that you've justified in your mind saying, well, the grace of God, or I've got liberty, but maybe it's just plain out sin. Maybe we need to get in this altar tonight at the beginning of the year, the first Sunday of the year. Thank you for letting me preach. It's an honor. This first Sunday of the year, there's young people here, and I don't see that all the time. There's young families here. I don't see that all the time. A lot of times I'm preaching to gray-headed people and because there's people that are not willing to deal with the things I'm willing to uh, that we're, we're dealing with tonight. I'm not talking about preaching them. I'm talking about living them. Daddy, what has snuck into your home and you've justified and you're, you're driving outside of the laws of liberty? Young, young person, young lady, have you, have you flaunted things? I'm not being vulgar. I'm sitting, y'all pray for me. I'm tired of our movement being borderline modest. Amen. If you're borderline in your modesty, that means you're borderline in your devotion to Christ in your heart. Mm, I've done hit or Y'all pray for me. I know preachers can get away with anything about, but preaching on modesty these days. <laughs> have you begun to flaunt your liberty? Mama and Daddy, have you begun to flaunt your liberty? Are you becoming a stumbling block to your children? Tonight, search your heart. Ask God to search your heart. Let Him pull you over tonight and show you where you may have stepped out of the bounds of this law of liberty. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.